All right, all right. Hey, good morning, everybody. Don't you like the bumper video? I love that, okay? I just want to thank the team. Every series, they put their thoughts and creativity uh, just to prepare the bumper video so that bumpers all into the series. Okay, as I was speaking, as I'm speaking right now, we have about maybe 30 over 40 pairs of me and my daddy camp at the beach. Uh, for the first time, we did it at the beach. Typically, it's in a waterfall, river, but we've just gone bigger and bigger at the beach now. The next time is Pacific Ocean. I'm just kidding, okay? But, uh, you know, I, I wish I can be there and, uh, you know, it's always just fantastic to be there, okay? I know last weekend, I, I wasn't around I was in Ipoh doing a camp for a good friend of mine, Pastor Sam, uh, in the Chinese church. So I'm always happy when people invite me to do a Chinese church camp, okay? But once I speak four sessions or five, I use up every vocabulary in Chinese. And the only way to replenish that is to have more Chinese food. Okay, just, sorry, sorry lame joke, okay? Uh, we're in a series called Blessed to Bless. Would you tell your neighbor, say blessed? To bless. Okay, and uh, we're going to take this little concept, bless to bless, and we're going to work through that in a marriage. And today, we're going to talk about a parents and children relationship. Uh, I just want to make a couple of qualifications that it is not about if you're a parent that has a young child, uh, you're kind of wanting to know, is this going to be about parenting? It is not, though it has a big element of how to develop a relationship between you and your kids. But it is not about parenting. It is not about, the Bible says, train a child in the way that it should go. So, Pastor, how do we do that? You know, so we have different platforms that to talk about parenting a little bit differently, okay? Uh, but I want to go a little bit bigger picture to talk about a relationship between a child and a parent. And... Even as we grow, eventually, uh, the, the children, and as we age, the children actually took care of us. And so I'm going to talk through a little bit of that space uh, between a child and a parent, and eventually when we age, and then they actually get to so-called, lack of a better word, parent us, or to help us to work through the different seasons of life, okay? Now, uh, just like any other series, it always begins with a stream of thoughts, eventually becomes a river of thoughts. And every time when we piece together a series, uh, we took time to pray, we took time to consider, we took time to, to, to say something that I think, uh, not just biblically as accurate as we can, but also culturally relevant and personally able to apply it in just exactly where you are. I saw there were a couple of streams that maybe of thoughts that helped me to decide to do a series on this. Uh, typically, every year when we hit towards the month of Mother's Father's Day, we try to anchor on a family series uh, just to help all of us to maneuver that space. Uh, so, the few stream of thoughts that helped me to derive at this spot, number one, uh, is really post-MCO. Everybody knows that. A family looks differently. The tension between husband and wife increases. Uh, so, a couple of months ago, I was talking to a, 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 a husband and wife, which... Uh, because of MCO, the tension arises still today. Uh, something about when a husband stays at home the full day and suddenly he saw a lot of things that he didn't get to see. He saw potentially the wife forget to switch off the light on the aircon, never close the door, and then started to bark. And then when he barks, she barks back, she bites back, and eventually one thing leads to another. And I've seen uh, couples who are very particular, husband is very particular of the deco of the house, wife is also very particular, and both have their own concept. 
Some love the IKEA concept. Some love the Chinese wooden. Everything has to be very classic feel, retro, you know. And they clash because they, they could not agree on how does the household looks like. For me, my wife is very simple. I just leave everything to my wife. I'm just happy when I come back when there's an IKEA chair, wooden chair, doesn't matter. But if both of you are extremely very, very particular, I suggest you, you have two rooms. Monday on the wooden chair, retro kind of a feel. Tuesday, go to an IKEA kind of a feel so that both can live happily ever after. But my point is this, my point is this. Not everything in life, you got to have to content and has to be your way. Can I go to Amen. Somewhere along the journey, you're going to say, that's too small, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, but that, the tension of family is one stream of thoughts. Uh, the other stream of thoughts that my, maybe invaded my world was uh, the shift of family. So when I was growing up, Little House on the Prairie is when I was very small, potentially would have watched. And that was what we call a classic family, traditional family. When the modern family sitcom came about, which took about 11 seasons, and a lot of people enjoyed it. In fact, my daughter, 15-year-old, was telling me that I really enjoy modern family. And she was the one that tells me the whole dynamic relationship interplay of three families, which has a blended family. That means you have people from all over culture, they got an adopted Vietnamese girl, the dad married a young, gorgeous Colombian girl, if I'm not mistaken, and then, and then, and then you, got a, you got a gay couple or homosexual couple, you, you, you know, you have all this blended family, which really looks very much like today's world, and I can tell you, if the transgender agenda push forward another 10, 10 years, we are going to see more and more the whole modern family looks so differently because in future, you're going to meet an uncle who used to be an auntie, who is married now to your uncle. And then you're going to call uncle, auntie, auntie, uncle. I mean, you, you're going to maneuver that space or, or and then it becomes very sensitive because he or she now is a big thing. So every day, you just call day, hello day. Uh, so the modern family has totally introduced a, a very real cultural shift to our family. And our kids is going to grow up navigating the space more and more to come. Uh, the other stream of thoughts that really occupied my mind was the rise of what I call uh, individualism in our society. Now, I do know that there is a collective culture uh, which is very Asian in general. Uh, maybe Italian was very collective, very godfather, kind of a mafia, you know, very family-oriented. Mexico as well, very collective. Some of the Western world are very individualistic. Malaysia, I consider as very collective. I, and I understand the tension between collective and in individualism. Uh, but I do have to admit that I see the rise of individualistic or individualism in a collective culture. Uh, to some extent, that I feel it's very unhealthy. So I have, I have talked with family. Uh, where husband and wife will then, this is the conclusion of life. Uh, I like to travel somewhere. If you don't like to, then I'll go by myself. It's okay, you don't have to go. You, you do your own thing, I do my own thing. And, and you can see the rise of just being individualistic. And being individualistic, and everybody wants what's best for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. All of us like that. But I think there's also another paradigm and perspective that hopefully I can, through this series, bring that out to each and every one of you. Just to show you how individualistic we are, I call today what, what, is, uh, what is a Starbucks culture. Okay, now, when I go and order, when I go to hawker store, I, if I wanted a drink, I will call Kopi Peng. 
done. Uh, with my wife around, kopi peng, less sugar. If I really want to please my wife, kopi peng without sugar. That's about all. Uh, so Starbucks had this, how, how to order, what is the longest way of ordering Starbucks coffee? Uh, this is one of those entries. Let me read it to you, okay? Quad long shot grande in a venti cup, half cup, double cup, no sleeve, salted caramel mocha latte with two pumps of vanilla, substitute two pumps of white chocolate mocha, four mocha and substitute two pumps of hazelnut for toffee, nut, half whole milk and half brief with no whipped cream, extra hot, extra foam, extra caramel, drizzle, extra salt, add a scoop of vanilla, bean powder with light ice, well stirred. How many of you know that? That is how personalized people want it to be. So my latest trip in US, I, I, I went for a Starbucks drive through with a friend. He passed by and he ordered a coffee and I think has to brew at a temperature of 90 Celsius or something. Like that. I, I can't even recall, okay, because I'm not a coffee person. And he took the drink. As he drove away, he took a sip. He says, this is not 90 Celsius. He turned back. First of all, I was impressed that he knew the temperature. <laughs> really, I was really impressed. He should be a doctor, okay? I just, I know, you know, okay? And he turned back anyway, and true enough, they brew at 70 and not 90. I mean, this is how, how personalized we want everything to be. Now, so when we embrace that thinking, and we let that thinking embed it into our culture, it surfaces in today's generation in every way of our life. So you got young adults who then would tell me, Pastor, the reason I don't come to church physically because uh, when I think through, I got to wake up in the morning, I got to, I got to, uh, th this is a guy, okay, a guy that's talking. So not, uh, I know a girl, you got to make up, you know, all those and, and then later got to break it down, you know. Anyway, but for a guy, just come with a pajamas, pants, so people would think that's, that's stylish, it's okay, okay. But he was just saying that, Pastor, I come all the way and then, you know, an hour plus of a service and, I, and I'm an introvert, I don't like to meet anybody. So I just watch online, why would I? Because because we then decided to look through everything through our lens. So three to one, there are some of you who are introvert. You feel that's the, you really hate that moment. For you, three to one, you just feel like, I want to go to the toilet because it is not so me. Come on, am I, am I speaking to some of you, right? So there is this, and I know there's a space where you want to be you. But when you are become too individualistic, too personalized, too customized, the other flip side is you lost in relationship. You somehow come to a place in your life where you only decide what is good for you and you make only decision based on it. Now, let me tell you a story which I've heard before. Uh, many years ago, I helped one of our church people uh, who struggled with smoke and for uh, many, many years, uh, the person kept smoking and I, I, and I recall there were many conversations and one of the last conversations was uh, he came and told me, he says, Pastor, if you can find a scripture in the Bible, say, thou shalt not smoke, I will not, I will not smoke. I wish I'd just add that and just give it to him, okay, when he is a new Christian, okay, anyway. But uh, obviously, I did not, and you can't find a scripture that tells you you cannot smoke, right? Uh, and, and so, what I did was one day, I had a conversation with him, and, I, and this is my approach. I said, I'm not going to talk to you about what the Bible says about smoking, but I want you to have a different paradigm of life. All this while, you were thinking about I can do this because there's nothing, but so it's what I like, it's what I, I said, have you thought about your family, 
Have you thought about what your kids will say? Have you thought about, and if you were to think further, the new narrative that will come if you choose to stop this. Can you imagine if one day your child, when he hit teens and he was tempted to smoke, and then he thought about the father. He thought about, I, I, I have a father that quit smoking and he, and then he, maybe that will change the trajectory of his life. And I went on to talk about the possibility of the kids, of the, of the daughter, of the wife, of the friends, of the business acquaintance. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just him because it was also others. And the very next day, he says, Pastor, thank you for that little chat. I'm going to quit smoking. Sometimes, life is not just, just individualism. It is not just that. So you never know you might be sitting there and you hated 3 to 1. But you never know, maybe the person that you shake hand and had a conversation was truly someone that needed a conversation and needed that little handshake to feel that, hey, uh, it's, it's not too bad actually talking to someone. It feels some gap. Uh, and I, I just want to encourage, as I saw the rise of individualism and a lot of people make decisions based on, uh, I don't do that because that's just not, just not benefits me, whatever. I want you to think live in a bigger space, which is why we call this blessed uh, to bless. And obviously, the last stream of thoughts that shaped my thinking uh, was really the breaking down of culture, the amount of tension. Uh, so I was talking to a couple when I was in States that, uh, they say, we, we cannot talk about politics because he is Republican, I'm Democrat. The moment we talk, we will fight. Uh, so we have so many tensions. We got racial tension, we got politics tension, we got gender tension, we got uh, just so many tensions right now. With all that in mind, I want to bring you to this spot. Acts 3.25, when Peter, post-Pentecost, was trying to tell us what was some incredible thing that God meant for our life and for our families. And he said this is, he says, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall, would you read together, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, and then obviously this stems out from the conversation that God had Abraham, that God says, I'm going to bless you. And says, out of you, through you, all the nations shall be blessed. Now, I want to say to entire church that whether you're a married person, whether you're a single person, whether you are a child that's going through difficulties or whatever, I want you to know in Christ, you are blessed and God wants us to be a blessing. Can I go to amen? God really wants us to be a blessing. I, God wants us to take off the, the thing that am I blessed or can someone bless me to how can I be a blessing to someone? And I think when you had a little shift in your perspective in your life, it changes the trajectory of your life. It changes the way you think. And all of us are aware, right? The way the Bible works is if this is happiness, you, you never navigate your life towards happiness like that. That's not how you get happiness. The Bible teaches us that you get happiness by putting others first. By learning to go about your life as you serve others, then you will get the happiness that you're looking for. But it is not trying to work towards and say, ah, once I get this, I'm happy. And so the Bible kind of teaches a very 
different value. And with that, which is why this series, Blessed to Bless, was trying to cover three areas. It's a short series. Our first one was marriage, wanting to encourage husband and wife to be a blessing to one another. I do not have to be a husband and wife that content over, I, did, I want this to be blue color, I want this to be orange, and then you fight and it has to be blue, orange. Just simplify. It's okay. At some point, someone just prefer and just learn how to, how to just enjoy each other. Number two, I'll be a blessing between parents and children. And, I, and like I said, that's what we're going to focus shortly. And then the third one is if you are a single and you're not married, uh, I can't wait two weeks from now. And uh, I've asked Susan actually that's going to uh, preach the message and potentially work uh, work with her and uh, I've seen her first draft and she's going to be preaching in Cyber Jaya this weekend. Uh, and I'm really excited uh, and you do not want to miss two weeks from now. Now, just because we are so individualistic, this is how potentially some people think. You know what? Twist from now is about singles. I'm a married man. I'm going to go for holiday because it has no relevance with me. I can tell you that's how individualistic we think which really reminds me of a friend of mine who visited our church. And then, and then, and then we said that, you know, uh, the next series is about mission. We are going to talk about mission. And after the service, my friend came to me and says, uh, he says, Tim, actually, uh, I'm not interested in mission. So I won't see you for a month because your next month is about mission. I'll, I'll just go somewhere else. And then once finished, I'll come back and I'll see you again. You know, and, and somehow we have come to such a spot where we, but I want you to know that you do not want to miss two weeks from now singles message because her life itself was really an incredible story of how God invaded her world and changed Susan's life. Okay, so, uh, so but we want to take this bless to bless and to kind of work it through to three different relationships that we all go through. Okay, now, so God has meant for us to be a blessing. But many times, instead of blessedness, we find brokenness. And as I mentioned this, I can think of the different brokenness that happens uh, being a pastor and talking through so many different couples. A couple of months ago, uh, I, I really helped a fair bit of different marriages that uh, some of them was incredible. Some of them was uh, to a point of taking out knife and... Uh, uh, it was so tense. Uh, some of them was uh, husband went almost bizarre and drive at the highest speed and the wife in the car has to reach out and say, could you help us? Uh, because he's driving at a speed that's uncontrollable and this disregard traffic light and anything. Uh, I, can, I, can, I can think of a conversation I had with a father who, uh, with a, with a father who pleaded for me because the son did not want to do what the father wanted him to do. The father wanted him to go into a certain field and he rebelled and he decided to go to a full-blown homosexual lifestyle. And when we met up, he says that I did all of that because I wanted to shame my father for insisting I got to do something that I'm absolutely not passionate about. And having to bring that reconciliation to father and son. And I can think about, there were just so many brokenness that we see. So today, in this series, I want you to kind of have a mindset that when Christ invaded your world, you are called to be a blessing. No matter where you are, no matter who you are, and that is the call of God upon every one of us, all right? Now, when I think about parents and children, let me take another 10 minutes or maybe max 12, and then we're going to create dialogue because I'm sure there's a fair bit of different questions that we want to wrestle with. But when I think about parents, children, I thought about Malachi uh, chapter 4, verse 4 to 6, okay? 
It says here, remember the law of my servant Moses, uh, the statue rules commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Verse 5, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And there are many layers to interpret this. There is almost a double-fold uh, fulfillment in this prophecy and we have no time to talk about that. But what was interesting was this is the last three verses of the Bible, of, of the Old Testament. Malachi being the prophet, he bring them back to when the law was given. And he almost points to, I believe, it points to uh, both the first and second coming of Christ, which means that he almost takes two ends of extreme. And then he says, he says, one of the things that God will do is to turn the hearts of the father to their children and the children back to their father. Uh, now, there is, there's different layers to that. First of all, there is a tension between the relationship of God and the nation of Israel father and children, so to speak, uh, there is then the natural turning that needed to happen because ultimately the rebellion of the nation of Israel was reflected in a household rebellion where they both are no longer for each other. But I want to take that little verse and to kind of embed it into our thinking that one of the, the words is the turning of the heart. If I can look at every one of you, whether you're a child or a parent, and I'm talking in that spectrum of maybe at the early days of parenthood or you are at the later days where you are actually taking care of your parents. I'm talking about this whole spectrum. I'm talking about your life, uh, 20 plus to, to whatever, and you are, you know, you have this thing, okay? So all of us know that, right? When we were young, our parents take care of us as, as we age. As they age, uh, we take care of them. And as this whole entire spectrum, uh, I, I want to say that it's the turning of the hearts that needed to happen. Now, so if you are parenting at an early stage, and there are so many styles of parenting, I'm not too sure what are your hearts. A lot of us, when we begin parenting, our hearts was, we are turned towards wanting to develop our child to our best. Which is why for us, a lot of Asian parents, we try to give them the best education. We wanted to tuition them until they drop. Math, Chinese, whatever tuition we can find, Kumon, Kuman, whatever we can, okay? We just, we just swam them with lots of tuition. And then we swam them with lots of musical, whatever. And then nowadays, we realize the importance of physical training, whatever. So we send them for badminton, for swimming, and, and we wanted to, to develop something. And we tend to, in our parenting style, we feel like if I can develop a child to be the next Lee Chong-wei, to be the next mathematician, whatever, then, then I've done a good job as a parent. I, I got a straight A kids. And all of us know that you can be the next genius and prodigy, but absolutely destroy a relationship. You, all of us know that. And when they grow old, that's not something that they look forward to relationally. But you've developed them powerfully. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Please, that's correct. But it all stems out from really a relational base. And never do anything that will forsake or moved away from a relational base. So I've, I've got one of my 
uh, good friends uh, might be here as well, was just sharing about how the goal is to train the child to be a Babylon player and then worked out how many hours that's needed divided by that. So starting from now, every day, how many hours and then work out to be a couple of hundred hours, I think 800 hours it takes to be a state player, kind of a kind of little math, okay? And it was just fascinating for me uh, just to have that conversation with them. And that's fantastic because nowadays people are so, are so equipped with so much scientific database to know how to bring someone from point A to point B. But you never want to do that and forsaking of a relationship. You know, when it comes to parenting, I want to say this, okay? Uh, the way a child develops, it is so vast. So I know some of us are very disciplinarian kind of a parent. Wake up 6 a.m. by 9, 9 p.m., lights off. If you don't, I whack you. We are that militarian kind of parenting. Uh, I, I consider my dad that kind. Uh, so when I was young, I was whack a lot. Uh, but I turned out to be good. But my brother turned out to be maybe a bit more rebellious when he was young. He, he used to be just, you want to whack, whack? Like, I, I'm, I'm not, and then he will, uh, I mean... So it's very different. So I'm not trying to say that you whack your children means it's better parenting. Of course, I've known other parenting who says you never whack your children. You, you only talk to them, only talk to them, right? So I, and I, I think there's, there's, this, there's this vastness, and I'm not saying that which is right, which is wrong, but you have to sub somewhere, navigate, maneuver, and find maybe the space that you needed. And it goes all the way from parenting, discipline, uh, to, you know, and, and sometimes we think we thrive in one area, but I want to bring you even to the greatest space of parenting, which is this. The greatest blessing that we can give to our children and our parents is, a, would you say together, it's a loving relationship. You want to be a parent that eventually grow up with your children, that as they grow old and as you grow, as they grow big and you grow old, that they love to have relationship with you. And that is what is long-lasting. That is, so it's a very relational-based kind of parenting is what I want to promote to every one of you. I want to promote to, as they grow old, as you grow old, as they grow big, that, that relationship now. So me and my wife, when we, were, when we were young parents, we were very clear that we wanted our children, no matter where they go, is to be a blessing. Uh, so we were clear in our parenting style that um, when they were three, four years old, they go to people's house. We were clear that we do not want them to be the kids that jump on people's sofa, take out all the people's toys and their plates, whatever, and people cringe as they see, oh, my plate, oh, that's China one, very expensive. Why am I going to put it everywhere? And we're very clear. We're very clear that we wanted everywhere our kids go, make sure they are a blessing. As they become teens, we wanted them to be a blessing. Now, obviously, they are imperfect children, but at least we were very clear in the way we do our com compass of parenting. Uh, which is why when they hit teens, we work very hard with every one of them to find a place to serve. Because to serve is a way for you to be a blessing. To serve is a way for you to take out from what is individual, what is you, and look through the lens of others. 
Uh, so for every one of our children, we work with them. So Joel uh, used to preach here and serve as a teens or, or the young adult leaders a bit. Now he's in Japan. Joel served with the served with the music team and and um, I don't know. We are exploring with him whether he wants to invest in people's life. I'm having that conversation with him. Uh, Jaden served in campus, song leader, uh, and you know, and Joanna served the kids church. And you know, for every one of them, we we sat down with them. We work through what's in your heart, what you like, because uh, we believe. Now, in this entire to be a blessing, embedded within, within that was the amount of time we spend connecting with them one-to-one because we believe in relational parenting. Uh, we want us to be able to enjoy our kids and later maybe when we do that dialogue, my wife can come and just chip in a little bit. But my whole point was, it was and it is a very relational-based kind uh, so that no matter how old, how as they moved on, it is that relationship that ties. You know, how many, how many relationships today are strained because of just, just forgetting the importance of building relationship. And we've allowed the differences to cause all that little crack in the way we relate to one another. Now, to, to help relationship, I want to propose three words. Uh, the first is the word honour. Would you say together honour? And as, as a parent, your kids grow, you, you will always treat them honourably. Uh, you know, how, how many parents, how many kids or young people will come and I say, Pastor, I cannot talk to my parents. You know why? Because the moment I talk, and if I want to talk further, my father will do the arm thing. Keep quiet. Stop talking. I talk, you listen. And then they say, Pastor, I, I cannot. I just, I just fail. So if I talk to my dad and my mom, just after a couple of conversations, we get very emotional because... So treat each other honorably. And that honouring will last you for life. Uh, which is why the Bible says, children, honour your parents. And, and, and Romans say, I'll honour each other. So honouring goes a long way. So if you are a teens in your home, you don't just open the door into their room and say, because I pay for this house, this is my room, my, you, I can come in at that. You don't. You, you actually knock. Can I come in? Can, I, can we have a conversation? Is it okay? You actually do that. Why? Because that's honouring. You don't do the, I'm bigger than you, stronger, richer, because one day they'll, they'll get bigger, stronger, richer, and they'll treat you like that. Stop talking. I talk now, you listen. And you don't want that. That's not the way it is. Uh, then you want to engage. You want to listen. You want to listen to what's in their heart. Um, it's embarrassing, but uh, my kids will come to me and say, Dad, I think you can treat mom more gentle. And I... Agree to disagree. No, I'm just, I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know how sometimes when you've gotten so familiar, you're like, Ayo, why? I told you so many times, right? You have the Ayo, why? And then the kids say, No, no, that, that, you. Please, please be more gentle. So I say, Okay, I won't, so I won't, I won't say Ayo. I say, I say, Ayo. I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> I don't know. And I, I took note of that. I'll look at them and say, Thank you. Thank you for bringing awareness to that. I will learn. I'll learn. I'll learn. And you never know if you, maybe if you really ask your kids and they'll tell you, Dad, Mom, I, you guys had so many quarrels that 
There's no peace in my heart at all. Have you ever heard what's in your heart? So you want to engage. You want to sit down, have adult conversation. Uh, and I try to do that. Not perfect, uh, but we will. Um, when one of my kids uh, came to me when 13 years old, he says, Dad, you were not involved in my life when I was six and seven years old. I was shocked because I always thought I'm pretty good parent as, even though my schedule is huge. But, and I, I still remember when he first told me that and it was because he was watching a Superman movie. And he says there was this part about Superman and his father that I cannot think about you and me. So I don't know because I'm not Superman. No, I'm just kidding, okay? So, so I, and I, and I gotten my coalition, I gotten my, the other two kids and the other two kids were saying, no, no, dad was with you. We remember that. We remember. He says, dad, I really cannot remember. My first response was denial and try to defend. But after a while, I decided, you know what? It was so real to my son. But you know the best thing about relationship is you can, you can win it back. So no matter how much you lost, you can win it back. So I recall every Thursday night for, I don't know, six to nine months easily, almost a year, every Thursday night I had one-to-one -one with him. I take him out. We go to our favourite noodle place, a place where, and we just always go there. Until today, every time we go there, he gets so excited. Uh, because we get to do one-to-one, -one, get to hear what's in his heart, whatever. And a couple of years ago, one of my birthdays is that, thank you, thank you for investing your time in me. And it was moving for me to see a relationship won. So take time to engage. And finally, you will always serve. Your posture, whether you're a child, you're a parent, is, is always serve. Always, always try to feed into your schedule and be a blessing to one another. If you have a strained relationship, you don't know what to do, you serve your way back. You keep on serving, you keep on serving, you serve your way back. You know, when I was uh, preparing this little message and wanting all of us to win back relationally, be a blessing, no matter where you are, and I know sitting here, some of you, you have strained relationship with your kids, with your husband, with your uncles, with your aunties, and you don't talk anymore. You know, all that little scenario, I just want you to know that you can win back a relationship. I was trying to find a particular story, and I love this story, right? So this story came about a couple of days ago when, when you know, Celine Cluster, we are having a little bit of... Uh, uh, a little bit of celebration, okay? Anyway, this is Shirley, okay? And, uh, and then Shirley shared this particular story. Shirley came to our church about 2017. Uh, and, um, and I think her life was just, um, just changed gradually. Somewhere along the journey, and uh, through just the things that God did in her life, she began to reach out. So 2018, the mom got saved. 2018, the brother Freeman, which is not in the picture, he's actually Miri right now, potentially watching the service. At least he watched our Chinese service, but this is the wife. And the one, two, three, four. These are the four kids, if I'm not mistaken, okay? And uh, Freeman got saved in 2018. 2019, Shirley's cousin by the name of Terence got saved. 
2020, uh, Derek, Derek is one of our church people here, muscular, he got saved. He is the boyfriend of Ai Ying. Ai Ying is Shirley's cousin as well, cousin sister. Uh, and she got saved in 2021. 2021, her another brother, Ben, got saved. And 2022, Valerie got saved. 2023, Freeman's family, which is the wife and all the other kids all got saved. And thank God for Pastor Joseph who reached out to them. And 2023, Shirley's dad got saved. And a whole entire family came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Can, can we just give the Lord a clap of him? When I, when I think about a blessed life, when I think about blessed to bless, I cannot further think about Shirley's story. That the ultimate blessing was her, her and her entire family and her relative that just all came to know the Lord. So if you were to know Shirley's life, and Shirley will tell me this. Shirley said, Pastor, before I know God, I was a very task-oriented, foul-mouthed, bottom-line kind of a guy, a kind of a girl. And, and, then, and then I still remember, she said, Pastor, my foul language was professionally done. I was so good that I can have a string of curse word and I said it like nobody business. All my friends, all my colleagues, every one of them know. And, the more, and then she said, Pastor, you want me to demonstrate? I said, no, never mind, never mind. Thank you, thank you. I said, don't have to, Shirley, okay? And uh, she said, she's just so good. And I, I know Shirley is sitting here somewhere today, this morning. And but when God invaded her world, God changed her heart. And she began to be somewhere. And I knew that because ever since she became ever since she became part of us and see the changes in her life, she will always call me and say, Pastor, I'm in this scenario. I don't know what to do with my parents. I don't know what to do with my sibling. I don't know what to do with this. How should I respond? And I'll, I'll just kind of coach her and say, you know, Shirley, why don't you do this? Bible talk about this. Why don't you respond that way? And maybe God will invade your world. And, you know, and, and one day and one after each other. And you see, so 2017, she came to our church. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Every year, there's someone got saved. Until the whole household all said yes to God. So this morning or last night, I reached out to Freeman, which is in Miri. And I asked Freeman, I said, what was the changes you saw in your sister? And this is what Freeman wrote to me in Mandarin. He says, I saw in my sister ever since she came to know the Lord that God watched over her, God cared for her. I saw her living a very fulfilled life and her life had a drastic change. She always know that God is leading her. And she always shared the good things about God to each and every one of us. And she wants to help all of us to encounter God. She cared a lot for every one of us. She showed the love of God. She showed the love of the Word of God. And she always helped our whole entire family. Whenever there's a big problem that happens, she always pray, look to God, and ask for God's principle to resolve all of this. From her life, our whole entire family saw the immense love of God and that eventually changed every one of our life. 
I thought about bless to bless every one of you. You can write a new chapter in your family life. And I know as I'm speaking in this space right now, there are different one of you. You might have your own challenges, but I just want to appeal to you as we close in prayer. I want you to take a strained relationship that you're having right now. Maybe with your mom, maybe with your dad, maybe with your sibling, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your son, maybe with your daughter, maybe with your in-laws, that you'll come before God and say, God, I want to be a blessing. Help me not to just look at perspective from me, point of view. Help me to seek to understand. Help me to humble myself, hear what's in their heart. And maybe in that journey, we can truly be a blessing. And this goes forever. And they will always enjoy you and you will always enjoy them. Can I go to amen? Would you stand as we pray? And help me to set up the dialogue. I'm running out of time. And then we're going to pray, okay? Right. Remember, any strained relationship, put that in your heart. God, we come before you. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that for every strained relationship that only us know could be between a father, a son, daughter, sibling, uncle, in-laws. Oh, the space are so wide. But we come before you and we pray, oh God, you bless us so that we can be a blessing. We want to lean upon you and be a blessing to everybody around us so that, oh God, the love of God can be shared among everybody. But I ask of you that we want to win back every relationship they have given unto us. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.